Thank you for joining me for this episode of People Know Stuff. If you know stuff, I'd like you to be a guest on my program. Please visit my website and drop me a line. Hi, this is Deborah Butler and welcome to my show, People Know Stuff. Today, I'm excited to have Keith Derrick with me. And Keith Derrick knows stuff about asexuality. So welcome, Keith. Uh, thank you for having me, Deborah. I, I appreciate the invite. And I'm glad you're here. And Keith, you know what? I think it would be valuable to lead with a, an obvious question. What is asexuality? Uh, that That's surprisingly not as obvious a question as you might think it is, uh, because there's a lot of controversy surrounding what the definition of asexuality is. Uh, the most widely accepted definition, though, is uh a, a asexuality is the feeling of no little or conditional sexual attraction. So I, I'm sure you can understand in any direction, flexibility. Right? Yeah, any sexual attraction. Right. Uh, you can still feel romantic attraction. Uh, you can feel aesthetic attraction, sensual attraction. Like there's a whole uh, a litany of attractions that you can feel. Uh, but this is specifically relative to sexual attraction. Okay. All right. So tell me more. What is the stuff you know then about asexuality, which is a absence of sexual attraction in any direction? Uh, well, I, I think that what I find uh, most interesting about asexuality is that uh, it, it centers the discourse on attraction, not on behavior, which is often where the discourse around sexuality is centered. Uh, you know, when you're talking about uh, homosexuality, it's often in the, the you know, confines of uh, people having sex with someone who is of the same gender. Uh, so the fact that we're discussing sexuality in terms of sexual attraction really shifts the discourse uh, away from that, you know, medical codification and empirical observation and brings it more toward the individual, right? Because my attraction uh, and, and the way I experience attraction is fundamentally different than the way someone else feels attraction, even though we may use the same identities. Uh, so, you know, that, that, uh, that discourse that shifts from the idea of, uh, you know, uh, the, the observable and, and makes it more so that we can discuss the way an individual uh, reacts with sexuality uh, I, I think it it really is helpful, uh, particularly when you're talking about you know gatekeeping uh, within the queer community. Uh, there are you know not a lot of people, but there are a vocal minority within the queer, queer community that like to gatekeep to say that well you aren't part of the uh, queer community, right? So a perfect example uh, that is very apropos today is uh, TERPs, the trans-exclusionary radical feminists. Uh, you know, there, uh, there are, you know, lesbians in that community that do not think that trans people should be a part of the queer community. Uh, so, but by shifting the discourse to, you know, the, you know, the way that we can individually be queer, uh, even though it's not necessarily a component of behavior, 
uh, it really enables us to have a, a, a broader understanding of what sexuality is. Uh, and it, 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 it makes it so that there's no monolithic definition of what an asexual looks like. So, so if you identify with being asexual, would that, am I understanding that right? You would identify as, well, I'm asexual. Um, could that be that I identify with being asexual, which as you said earlier, means I'm not sexually attracted to men, women, you know, I'm not, I'm not sexually activated, if you will, but I might be romantically drawn to um, other women, mm-hmm. or I might be romantically drawn to men, the opposite sex, um, but I don't want to be sexually active. Is that Am I understanding asexuality correctly there? Uh, to an extent, yes. Uh, although I, I would add a caveat that uh, sexual attraction is not inherently bound to sexual desire. So a person can still be asexual and still want to have sex. Uh, in fact, I know several people who are asexual and might be described as, you know, they'll describe themselves to their partners as, as hypersexual. They, they want to have, uh, you know, lots of sex. Uh, but they're asexual. But they're asexual in that they don't look at a person and think, oh, I want to have sex with that person. Uh, oh, okay. So it's. And I'm, and, and so as we continue to understand it by, in the conversation, I'm a little bit more confused. <laughs> it, it, yeah. is, it can be very confusing. Uh, yeah. The way I think about it like this, um, let's say, for example, you go to uh, an ice cream parlor, right? And you might say, you know what? I really love strawberry ice cream. Uh, and so like, okay, you have some strawberry ice cream. That's the strawberry. That's the ice cream that you really want. Uh, I might go to an ice cream parlor and say, you know what, I don't really care for any particular flavor of ice cream. Uh, and I, I, so I don't want any ice cream. Uh, but then another person might come in and say, you know what, I don't really care for any particular flavor of ice cream. Just give me whatever flavor of ice cream you've got, because I do want ice cream. I just don't care about what the flavor is. Uh, it doesn't really matter to me. I just want the ice cream. Uh, so an asexual could actually be, as you say, quite active sexually oh, without yes. being specific to a particular gender. Yes, that's that's correct. Uh, but, then, but then now, my understanding, they would be classified as bisexual. Uh, that, that there's a lot of overlap, and there there are people that identify uh, as. Uh, by asexuals. So like they might be romantically attracted uh, to men and women, right? And they would happy be happy to, you know, be partnered with one. Uh, but at the same point in time, they're not necessarily sexually attracted to whomever they're partnered with. So, uh, and again, you. but the, the, you know, and there's room within the definition of asexuality. So it's not just feeling no sexual attraction. There are people that can feel little con- sexual attraction that also would identify as asexual. Uh, there are people who would feel conditional sexual attraction. So like only feel, uh, you know, feeling uh, sexually attracted to someone after you have formed a really strong romantic bond with them, right? A really strong, you have to have that really strong romantic bond. And only after that has been done, 
do you feel any sort of sexual attraction to that person? You know, so underneath the umbrella of asexuality, there are all these other mini identities. Uh, and in that case, that would be described as demisexuality. So uh, I have to ask the question, what is, how is a category of asexuality then um, acting as useful? Because, you know, what, what purpose does it serve? Um, uh, it, it, in some, in, in the way I think about it, uh, I think of it in terms of examining intersexuality. Right. Where various identities intersect at you know, various points uh, within an individual person and those identities shift depending on, you know, the time, the place, the culture where you exist. Uh, so in certain environments, uh, you know, you might have someone who chooses to identify as straight. Right? That's how they will describe themselves in that particular environment. In another environment, that same exact person, right? that there's nothing different about them, just the environment around them has changed a little bit, and they feel maybe a little more comfortable describing themselves as asexual in that environment. Uh, in another environment, they might feel more comfortable using the identity queer. Uh, in another environment, they might prefer using the identity demisexual. Right? All of these things can be true. Uh, but because the context has changed, you know, the time, the, the culture in which they are uh, surrounded, uh, you know, the social pressures, uh, they choose to identify in a way that, you know, enables them uh, to better express themselves in that given context. So it gives them, so the category of asexual permits another I don't know, almost way to describe yourself, but it could be that it's transient. You don't always feel asexual. You don't always identify as asexual. Well, I, uh, I think it, it helps to differentiate between the concept of sexual identity and sexual orientation. Uh, a lot of people uh, consider these things to be one and the same. Uh, however, sexual identity, I consider it, it's a, a label. Right. It's, it's just a, a word that you use to describe whatever your sexual orientation is. Right. And like any other word, it has different meanings in different settings and different contexts. So in certain settings, it might be appropriate to describe yourself as asexual. In another setting, it might be more appropriate to describe yourself as, uh, you know, let me uh, gray asexual or egosexual, uh, you know, any of these sort of umbrella terms that are underneath uh, asexuality. Sometimes it might just be simple to, you know, out of convenience to just describe yourself as queer. Uh, you know, these uh, identity labels are tools and they're only, you should only use them when they are useful. So if the label isn't useful in that particular scenario, you know, you don't have to use it. Right. What if like you're I mean, what if you're in a relationship with someone and let's say you're married to them mm -hmm. and you realize I am not really I don't like them anymore. Ten years into this thing, I've kind of like just lost any real interest in them mm -hmm. um, on any level. Could you would it make sense to say, you know, I feel like I've just lost interest in my sexuality and I've certainly lost interest in you. Could I then perhaps consider the fact that I've become asexual? Uh, I don't know if there's necessarily, uh, you know, 
a, so you're saying you were once this, this hypothetical person was once sexually attracted to their spouse. Now they're no longer sexually attracted to their spouse. Right. Uh, I mean, I suppose it's possible that they were under this, uh, that they're under this umbrella of asexual. Cause again, their orientation doesn't change, right? That that's uh, who they are fundamentally. Uh, but the label may change because again, the cultures change now, the social circles in which they exist, the relationships have changed, right? So the relationship in the marriage has fundamentally changed. So say, for example, if this person is demisexual and maybe they didn't, they don't realize that they are, but they form this romantic uh, connection to their spouse. Uh, and in doing so, they get a sexual attraction to the spouse. But as you said, over time, they, they no longer feel the romantic attraction, so they lose the sexual attraction. That's certainly possible. And, and you know, this concept of asexuality might help them uh, to express that. Uh, it seems know. like it could be a convenient way to understand what happened. Uh, it, it does. It, it, I think in a lot of cases, it, it can be helpful. Uh, you know, and it's hard to say how many people are asexual. Right, because it's there's so little awareness about what asexuality is. Uh, so, yeah, and even trying to understand it with you, I'm not. I, I think it's vague. It's, yeah, it, it sounds it, like it's it is really very much vague. a vague, uh, nebulous concept. And I think that's that's one of the things I really like about the identity uh, is that it enables me to be who I am because it's it's a very open space. Because uh, and that's what sexuality is, right? Just because you don't fit into someone's, you know, cookie cutter definition of what a sexuality is, uh, it doesn't mean that you you aren't that orientation, right? Uh, so you know, having a broad understanding of of what sexual attraction is helps us not only understand asexuality that it's a very, uh, you know, it, it, it's a broad idea. And it's a nebulous concept and asexuality for one person is going to be fundamentally different than asexuality for another, but it does that for, you know, homosexuality, uh, heterosexuality, bisexuality, like all these, you know, areas where, you know, there's this assumption that this is what a gay person is. Uh, it, it challenges those notions. Uh, and in a lot of ways it is liberating, uh, and I, I think that is in fundamentally embracing what queerness is. Like a lot of queer theory is about trying to identify what queerness is exactly. And I think finding, I guess you could call that pleasure in that chaos, uh, finding your identity and feeling comfortable there in that sort of chaotic space, uh, I, I think it means a lot. So the chaotic space of queer, first of all. Yes. So the big umbrella would be queer. Am yes. I right in that? So we're under the big tent of queer. But but even there, like there are plenty of asexual people that just hate being described as queer. Uh, and I totally understand that. Like that's, again, a, 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 an identity label is only useful uh, when it's useful for you. It, it's yeah. not useful when it's, it becomes uncomfortable and when it becomes problematic. Uh, so it's a tool. Yeah. Use it like one. And I guess what you're saying is, um, I guess what this, what I'm learning is about this term asexual is that it is, I guess you started out by saying it is an absence of sexual feeling in any direction. Not to say you can't be romantically drawn 
in any direction. And not you can still be romantically attracted to people, uh, aesthetic attraction. So like if you see someone and you're just like, wow, like the way the wind is blowing through their hair, it's just really captivating. And I could just watch this all day. Like that is aesthetic attraction. You're not looking at that person and thinking, Hey, I would like to have sex with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, you're just attracted to the aesthetic of their, their image. Mm -hmm. Uh, so there's, a lot of, you know, flexibility there. And, you know, we're touching on it. Uh, so I might as well just uh, bring it up. There's this uh, concept uh, that, you know, an early sexologist, Magnus Hirsch Hirschfeld, uh, came up with called the, the split attraction model, where you can analyze a level of someone's sexual attraction to uh, people. Uh, uh, you know, it, it separates sexual and romantic attraction. Uh, it, it doesn't, inherently pair uh, sexual attraction and romantic attraction. And I know for a lot of people, those are paired, right? You're sexually attracted to men and you're romantically attracted to men. Uh, but the way the split attraction model works is, is it tries to uh, analyze those elements separately mm -hmm. and determine like, okay, you're sexually attracted to this guy, but you're not romantically attracted to him, right? Does that mean that you are not uh, homoromantic? No, it, it doesn't mean you're not homoromantic. It just means in this particular instance, right, uh, the romantic attraction is not there. Uh, so it, it's an interesting way of analyzing uh, sexuality. And again, you know, a lot of people take umbrage uh, at, at the split attraction model. Uh, and that's okay. If you don't feel comfortable using it, don't use it. Uh, but it, it is helpful for asexuals to describe you know, the way they are feeling. I know a lot of asexuals enjoy using uh, the split attraction model. Um, the split attraction model being, look, I'm, I find you attractive, but I'm not sexually yes. drawn. Yeah, it, 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 it's a useful tool, I think, in the context of a relationship uh, when you're trying to describe like, okay, this is, I feel about you in a way that other people don't. Like you may have had partners in the past that don't feel this way. Uh, so let me try and contextualize it as best as possible so that we're on the same page. Because uh, a lot of people can, you know, think it's offensive to tell your partner that you care about, like, look, I'm not sexually attracted to you at all. Like that, that might hurt someone's feelings. Well, uh, and yet, and yet it's not uncommon for people to be married for, many, many years and have been asexual for the later portion of. So I wonder how, you know, unusual asexuality is. It may very well be that it isn't really that uncommon. Because yeah, I, I think like that there is a significant, like, uh, 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 it's an iceberg, like we've only seen the tip. And underneath, there's this massive block of ice. Uh, because, you know, if you look at uh, surveys of young people, uh, of, of how they identify, you know, over, over, you know, the last few decades, you can look at the data from, you know, 2000 and 2001 and 2002, and you can see that the slice of the pie of asexuality is very small, but as young people become more aware of what asexuality is, suddenly that slice of the pie becomes tremendous. Uh, it's, it's not, you know, a large majority, but it's, it's much larger than it was in 2000. 
Yeah. And I've read where um, this emerging generation isn't as sexually active, um, isn't as sexually active. And so that could be explained in a variety of ways. And I've seen different explanations for it, but maybe it's because there's an opportunity to allow for your asexual to be real and be a reason why you're just not that sexually driven. Yeah. And, and I, I think that the asexual identity is useful, uh, you know, in terms of experiencing sexuality on the whole, right? So if, you know, using that label is just a stop for you uh, until you realize, you know what, I'm actually bisexual. That is okay, right? That's okay. Uh, there was a time I, oh, hey, I'm straight or, hey, I'm gay. Like, but that's not really who I am. Uh, and it took a long time to realize that. And so I'm, I'm happy that young people are more uh, conscious uh, of how nebulous sexual identity is uh, and are, you know, finding their own form of joy in that, that space. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and I guess the thing I'm taking away um, from this conversation is that asexuality as a category opens another door that people might take refuge in. And they might take refuge in it in a really complicated um, kind of, you know, component of the human condition, sexuality. And so yeah. it would be something that they, again, can take comfort in. And Yeah, I, I think that's what I love about the discourse around asexuality is that it disrupts those you know, that, that harmful normative culture that is like, okay, this is who you have to be. And if you don't fit into this box, you're wrong. Like there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, the very discourse around asexuality, it, it, it immediately disrupts that. Uh, mm-hmm. And it allows for that, that, I mean, I, I keep relying on that phrase chaotic space, but it really, it, it kind of is like, it, it's disruptive to norms. Uh, it, it enables people to sort of experience the world in a way that, uh, you know, it, it, you know, allows them to explore who they are. And mm-hmm. like I said, if, if asexuality, if you use that label and a few years later, you realize, you know what, this just, it's not the right label for me. That's Okay. Uh, I don't, because it gave you comfort during that window of time when you were able to use it. All right. That's totally okay. Like that's, that is the story of so many people. Mm -hmm. Uh, and even in the asexual community, you'll find people that, you know what, I, uh, thought that I was straight for so long. And and then, you know, I finally learned what asexuality was and all of a sudden I realized, oh, there's not something wrong with me. It's just that I didn't know. Uh, and it's, it's a really, it, it's a, a moment where you have this life affirming realization, uh, but it also kind of makes you feel a little sad that it, it took people so long to come to that realization. Like you wish you hadn't lost so much of your your life uh, as a result of that ignorance. Uh, well, maybe this will be a source of comfort. It's confusing. Um, I don't feel like, oh, yeah, I'm leaving this conversation with um, extreme clarity. Um, but I can certainly see where it can be provide a space of comfort. So yeah, I, I think that's that's what it should be. 
for someone who identifies as gay, uh, conceiving of the world through the eyes of uh, someone who is straight, that should be a little confusing, right? You shouldn't be able to see the world through that person's identity with perfect clarity, right? That you should you should try always to see the world through someone else's lens, but at the same point in time, like if you could see the world through that lens, uh, you would be able to be straight, but you're you're not. You're gay. Yeah. Right? And so so having that sense of you know confusion. Uh, while at the same point in time, having a moment where you can, you know, find and embrace joy and clarity uh, as you are, as you realize you are that identity, uh, it, it's it's useful. And that's kind of the heart of the discussion around queerness. Uh, it, it's supposed to be disruptive uh, at its core. Well, that's interesting. I've never thought of that that way either. Um, but you've given us a lot to think about. So... Thank you for joining me. And um, yeah, do you want to make any final comments? Uh, I, I just am very happy to be here uh, and spread awareness of asexuality and, uh, you know, letting people know that asexuality is even an option. Like the, the fact yeah. that, uh, you know, so many people don't even know what that is, uh, is, is problematic. Uh, so now... Uh, hopefully someone will maybe listen to this podcast and, uh, you know, have a, a moment of self-doubt and uh, start questioning who they are and come to a better realization of that, uh, of, the, of a better realization of self. All right. I hope so, too. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Yes. Thank you, Keith. And thanks for joining me on uh, People Know Stuff. And if you know stuff, let me know. I would love to talk to you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of People Know Stuff. If you know stuff, I'd like you to be a guest on my program. Please visit my website and drop me a line.